Hello and welcome to the World's Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this one. And with me as always is at Ashes Daily himself, <laughs> Tony Kerr. Still trying to hack in. <laughs> still not still not figured out still the password. Still not figured it out, yeah. Even, even arguably with Mr. Boat now, slightly. <laughs> but there we go, you know. There's a lot of Ashes Dailies around. I've seen so many media outlets tweeting out, oh, check out our Ashes Daily. They would kill for that Twitter handle, Tone. Yeah, that's the uh, the Ashes Daily money that I'm sort of relying on. <laughs> well, you're spending it. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're living that Ashes Daily lifestyle as if you have already sold that handle. But. Yeah, like living the Ashes Daily lifestyle. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Spe- <laughs> spend the money first, figure out the password later. That's exactly. The plan. How's it going anyway? Yeah, good, thanks. Pretty good. You ready for this? We're both sort of sniffling. Yeah. Sniveling, kind of sniffling away. Just a couple of sniveling little wretches here. Yeah, I've got two major problems at the moment. The flies, there's a lot of flies around and just a bit of mild hay fever, which I'm sure you'd be uh, enthralled to hear about. <laughs> As we discussed last time though, are you sure it's hay fever and not ashes fever? Yeah, true. Well, yeah, the ashes fever has come on pretty strong to mm. be fair, so yeah, yeah. it's hard to, hard to know where one starts and the other one ends. But Yeah, just absolutely sick. Just riddled with it. Sick to your stomach <laughs> with ashes fever. Just debilitating case of ashes fever. We're on the beach again. Remembered all the stuff. This time I've actually got headphones on. So uh, I was going to say well done us, but really it's like it was your fault last time for not remembering them. Uh, but you, you managed it this time. Yeah, I think I've got everything now. Uh, it's good to hear from longtime listener Ross on Twitter uh, in the week. He enjoyed the chaos of, of uh, the last episode. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to think that that's, you know, that's part of the appeal is the sort of hopeless incompetence. Well, we're but... sort of letting people down this week then because we've, uh, we've just it's been pretty uh, seamless. So far. Pick you up on time. We well, picked me up got early. The, got the stuff we needed. If anything, you picked me up early because we had originally uh, arranged that you were going to pick me up at ten thirty to take me to the beach for the record, and you said, "Yeah, ten thirty, that'd be perfect because I've got a class at nine <laughs> It's like what kind of class? You're like just attending a lecture series. I, don't, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. sure what you're doing, some sort of cookery class but he said no gym class i was yeah. like wow who is this that guy didn't happen, so. this is very impressive but then you turn up at 10 didn't make it to class yeah so anyway so here we are uh, at 10 15 or whatever the time is us. now uh, on port Swaff beach beautiful beach in Guernsey. there's a lot of people over on the other side we've come uh to the sort of remote end um just to try and not annoy people like we did last time by yeah, recording a live podcast in their faces there is one guy over there who seems to be enjoying himself at the moment but otherwise it's it's only the world cricket show listeners that that get to hear this tone which uh, is probably good news for everyone and we i mean what are we going to talk about today this we're going to find anything to discuss it was an absolute snooze fest at edgebaston wasn't it so i have to try and string that out yeah i've got a bit to say about some of that i'm joking of course tone it wasn't a snooze fest. That was a bit of a joke. The guy over there, he's, he's, he seems to enjoy that when he's rolling around at the moment. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't a snooze fest. It was a, it was a cracking game at, at Edgebaston. Uh, so let's talk about it. So that, yeah, the Ashes are off slash is off to uh, a pretty sensational start after, yeah, a truly epic first test in Birmingham, which went right down to the wire and ended up with Australia uh, taking the spoils. So I'm, sh- I'm sure pretty much all listeners know what happened in this game. Um, England, uh, well, the, the, the big story on day one was that in, uh, Ben Stokes declared, didn't he, just before the end of the day, uh, with only 393 on the board, 393 for eight, Joe Root making a century. Uh, they didn't manage to nip out an early wicket. Um, and Usman Kawaja led 
Australia's reply. He made 141. But England did uh, tidy up the tail reasonably quickly. So it went from a position where it looked like Australia were going to build uh, a first innings lead to England actually taking a lead of seven. England then tried to, to put on runs quickly to set Australia a challenging total. Uh, no one made a half century, but almost everybody made double figures as England made 273 all out. Pat Cummins took four wickets, Nathan Lyon four wickets that set Australia 282 to win and well it was a real kind of roller coaster then throughout uh, the final day it went all the way down to the end of that last session at one point it looked like England had done it Australia needed what sort of 50 odds still when the eighth wicket fell uh, and Nathan Lyon joined Pat Cummins at the crease um, but between them and, and led by Cummins who made 44 and out they managed to eke out those final runs and they won the game with two wickets to spare. Uh, so yeah, pretty uh, pretty extraordinary climax to the game. Give us a bit yeah, of just game, wasn't it? <coughs> it was a game. It was a serious game. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I haven't asked you a question yeah, yet. Yeah. <laughs> just you, you just sort of washed your hand at me. You're like, yeah, over to you. I was just going to say, you know, give us some perspective. So. <sighs> That's what I'm here for. It can be as broad brush as you like I guess what just give us your sort of take on the game well, cricket's quite good isn't it it's been my broad brush take um, yeah it was well I don't want to start with a moan because it go. does annoy me when people race to declare it one of the all time great this that and the other like you know because it, it, people like literally if you went back we've there's been about 65 test matches in the last in my lifetime that have been described as one of the all time great <laughs> That's fine. And I don't know what the, the cutoff number is. I mean, I'm just going to check my next question here <laughs> so yeah. on my, in my notes. Uh, where does this rank in the all-time <laughs> list of great test matches? Well, how many can you have in the all-time list? Well, this, like is, this is why the phrase one of is so useful. Yeah. Because there's just as non-specific as you like. <laughs> Look, whether or not it was one of the all-time greats, it was a great test match. Uh, and I suppose, well, it's obviously a brilliant five days in itself but also the fact that the anticipation for the series was so high and it's sort of it's delivered straight from the uh straight from the get-go from ball one from day one you know we've, we there was some exceptional performances there were no end of talking points which you kind of expected from the you know from the stokes mccullum axis um and and yeah like a a a, a finish that went right to the right to the wire pretty much um, yeah, I mean, what, you, you couldn't really ask for much more. A, a raucous crowd, you know, it felt, you know, obviously we weren't there, but seeing some of the, the, the footage, you know, there, it, was, it was kind of some tough kind of ashes atmospheres for the, uh, for the Australians to, to contend with. And I mean, they, yeah, they definitely deserve an awful lot of credit for, for the way they, they got through it and, uh, and came out with a W. <laughs> yeah. you're such a cool guy so down with the kids mate. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got the w and that's facts yeah um yeah i know what you mean i i do and we've discussed this on the pod many many times before but i i do also have a slight kind of allergic reaction to all the talk of like oh this must this is this one of the great all-time great test matches because yeah by the nature of everyone having short memories you know it's kind of yeah, as you say, how many test matches are we talking about yeah. there? That discussion seems to happen once or twice a year. We're talking about, is this one of the great test matches? So, Well, as well, I mean, look, look, if we're being picky, 
you know, it could have been a one wicket victory. Yeah. And the actual the way that the, the last kind of hour played out or, mm. or so in the end, actually it was kind of a was it not it was a non event right at the death. <laughs> That's probably a bit strong. But do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it actually it didn't quite deliver the drama yeah, right it was at just the death. Damn squib at the end, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just a it was just <laughs> really, wasn't it? Um, yeah, obviously, you know, no, I do know there was, that, mean, there was yeah. that exceptional um, kind of moment where Cummins took on Root and, and hit the two sixes, which kind of changed the, you know, changed yeah. the complexion of that that chase in the end. But you know, when you compare it to, I don't think you can. Well, I don't, I don't think it. I mean, we're here we go. Fans, aren't we? Here we go. I don't think it's better than than two thousand five Edgbaston. Well, this is yeah. So this so is the, the comparison that everybody reached yeah. for. I, like, I know what you mean. It, it feels ridiculous to say, but it wasn't quite as nail biting at the very end as some Test matches I've seen. Clearly, Edgbaston two thousand five is the comparison everybody, and that you know might be the best Test match of all time, at least for me. Uh, it's you know it's going to be hard to for anything to compare to that for all the reasons we talk about a lot. That you know it was also you know we'd just finished school and it was just yeah, this amazing moment like in our lives. Love, so, kind of. so I will never think anything's as good as that. So it's, but I'm biased. I have a biased perspective on that and I'll admit that. But yeah, I, you know, even, even just talking about England test matches, I've even something like Cardiff 2009 in the ashes or later that same year, there were in South Africa where you, those sort of nine wicket draws where literally every ball of that final over was so nail biting because the game could have turned one way or the other. Whereas actually, as you say, in the end, with about 20 runs still to go, I think everybody kind of knew, yeah, they look very comfortable here and Australia are going to yeah. win this. So, But it feels a bit unfair to sort of criticise the game yeah, on that basis. Probably, yeah, yeah. Because it's not just about the finish. It was just a fantastic test yeah, match all the definitely. way through. As you say, from ball one, Zach Crawley smacking it for four. There's something about and This is overdone a little bit because it doesn't happen literally every time. But there are so many Ashes series where the first ball is like is a real memorable moment or talking point obviously Rory Burns getting out yeah. first ball last time the Harmison wide Michael Slater smacking the first ball in 2001 this was felt quite similar to that but actually the difference this time I mean Slater smacked that first ball for four and it was kind of like okay we know how this series is going to go and Crawley when Crawley hit that it was like here we go this is good yeah. England are going to boss this um, but then you sort of remember that actually one ball is just one ball <laughs> um, but it was still quite a you know jump up off the sofa moment that wasn't it yeah it was an arrival for sure and yeah no i'm not doing it down it was it was a gripping test match throughout yeah. there, there was there was so much to enjoy and australia fans might say oh well you know you you just think edge press in 2005 was better because england won and there might be some truth in that i don't know um but as you say it's maybe just a it's a bit of a non-discussion anyway, because like... Yeah, we just spent 10 minutes discussing it. But, yeah. <laughs> but like, how do you yeah, compare it? Yeah. Let's, I think, you know, you should leave those kind of st- that, that stuff to the end of the series. To really. the historians. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. But no, look, it was a good test match, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the reason for it being such a fantastic test match, as you say, we thought that this would be a brilliant series, and we talked about this on the preview. I, I was more excited about this than I have been for a test series for a long time. And I think... a you know, a big part of that excitement coming in is because of how good England have been over the last year and the way they've played. And that sort of came through in this game, didn't it? That was realised in this game. They did play that way. So a big part of this is because of England's approach. But actually what was so kind of fascinating is there is this like culture clash going on um, between England with their baseball approach and then Australia, who are taking a much more... I don't want to say attritional, but you know, a much more sort of traditional, I suppose, approach to Test cricket and Usman Khawaja. 
was the best batter in the game. He's not playing basketball, is he? So it it was, but that that made it really kind of interesting to see, you know, which approach is going to win out, and that's a fascinating uh, thread throughout the rest yeah. of the series too. Yeah, definitely. And it, there is an, there's been a bit of a sort of. Uh, you know, a sense from the England camp and from otherwise, you know, that, that they actually don't mind losing as long as they've entertained, mm. which is which is great up until the point where you lose. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. suddenly, you know, with sort of England are 1-0 down in the series, obviously needing to to win the series to to, to get the Ashes back. Yeah, it, it does now put quite a lot of pressure on. I'm not saying that they approached it flippantly because, it, you know, it's obviously very much in the in line with with how they've been playing the last year and it's been you know the one one of the all-time great years uh, for uh for england for england cricket in terms of well yeah results and manner of victories mm-hmm. so um but the, you feel like england did kind of piss this one up the wall a bit they should have they had multiple opportunities probably to to, to win the game or to, to move themselves outside um which they either both didn't take through decisions and through kind of yeah individual errors or just kind of not taking chances or not not playing the moment in quite the right way yeah so it does feel like a bit of a wasted opportunity in that sense yeah, that's interesting and, yeah, yeah. and you know like the entertainment factor is 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 huge and, and critical but you know obviously all of the, the you know the fans that kind of packed into Edgbaston and sort of sang for five days you know would have probably enjoyed a victory at the end of it well of course they would but yeah I'm I think I might be on the other side of this from you like so so you think england blew it uh well slightly yeah i mean they you know they should have scored more in the first innings they should have scored more in the second innings they should have taken mm. a handful of wickets uh sooner than they did they in which case they probably win the match comfortably um yeah i mean so that they kind of and they've you know they've said this haven't they um wisely or unwisely uh is, is up for debate um that they kind of made all the running and uh, was it, I, can't, I think it was McCullum that said this, wasn't it? That, you know, Australia were only able to win the game because of the way England played, which he is saying is is spinning as that's a good that's thing. A good that thing, shows. Yeah. But actually you could say, well, <laughs> what you're basically saying is, Austra- or you, that could be read as Australia were able to win this because England gave them the opportunity to win it. But yeah, I, I think I might be on the, side of it, on the other side of it just because I, d- I still believe that this is the right way for England to play. And yeah, they, they made mistakes. There's no doubt about that. And they'll be immensely frustrated. But I, I think that this, you know, call it basketball or whatever you like, I think this is the right strategy, not just because it's so entertaining and exciting and that matters a lot. And, and, and to a certain extent, it's like, well, what actually, what do we want? Like, do we want, I, I I don't know. I, I don't. I, I'm slightly in two minds about this bit. But like, would we rather England win narrowly, win a dull series, or lose one of the best Test series of all time? That was a great I, question. I, I think I'm probably on the side of I'd like it to just be a brilliant series, whether England win or lose. But the other point is, and I'll let you come back on that. But the other point is, I actually think this is England's best strategy to win the series. And yes, it they might not succeed and they lost this game but I think if they try to play like Australia they'll definitely lose because that's what the way they try to play under Joe Root and it's basically the same personnel yeah that's the, interesting the success has come because they're playing this way yeah because it's not like they've they've effectively discovered a, a load of new kind of world class talent it's, yeah. yeah as you say it is it's it's a mindset shift that's mm-hmm. kind of unlocked them isn't it but yeah no, I don't, well I don't know 
it's a good question as to whether you, I, don't, I, I don't know either really but I, well, I mean, well, as in which, as in which, you'd, which ref- you'd prefer yeah, yeah. probably England to win mm. but I don't think I, even if England well I don't know actually <laughs> spend the next 45 minutes just ruminating on that just, I don't know really. yeah. no I think no I don't know no, no. But, but actually well, I'm not sure but I, I think the, the, the most frustrating thing you know, if Joe Root spends another 30 minutes at the, at the crease mm. in the match England win probably which is frustrating because so do you think the declaration was a mistake well, therefore in high, I mean I don't necessarily because Root I, was that still at the yeah. crease wasn't he when England declared well, it was a mistake. That's like in terms of how it played out. England lost the game, mm. and they didn't put enough runs on the board to to force the victory, or to at least not lose it. So yeah, it was a mistake. But, you know, was was the decision made in good faith or in good intention? I think possibly. Yeah, I don't. I don't dispute. Uh, yeah, I think kind of why not put you know in that situation? Why not put them in? You know, if they take a couple of quick wickets and they have another go in the morning and then they bowl Australia out cheaply, mm. but but as it played out, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it was the wrong decision. Yeah, you, you, I would imagine though that Stokes will do that again at yeah. some point. So it's not like he won't be put <laughs> off by that. But then, it, you know, the other frustrating element was was Joe Root in the second innings was just looking like imperious, and then comes like charging down the wicket. Obviously, plays all around Lyon and yeah. gets out. And that, you know, okay, that that could you know if that shot goes differently. But England only needed another sort of thirty or forty runs in the match for the whole thing to be completely different. So, yeah, it is slightly frustrating. I know what you mean about that, but I do think, like, to a certain extent, that's just... And we, we've actually talked about this a lot in the past. Like, there, I always found something, even though I was very guilty of doing this, I always found there was something a bit odd uh, or a bit unfair about sort of slamming batsmen for... Like, yeah, yeah, when yeah. Peterson used to get, you know, so much criticism for playing stupid shots where he'd come down the wicket and just, you know, sky one up in the air to mid-wicket. But actually if he'd connected and it had gone for six people would have just said what a brilliant shot so yeah. yeah roots come down the wicket and missed it but if he'd hit it for four no one would have said that was reckless in the same way that when he's playing those reverse ramps yeah, for six well, yeah. we're absolutely loving first it first ball of the day but if he you know if he missed it and got clean bowl people would say that was stupid so as i say i think actually taking that approach and and taking it on and trying to play that you know with that basball philosophy I think is actually smart cricket from England. I, I, it's taken me a while to come to that view. When that, you know, uh, not very long ago, I would have, I wouldn't have said that. But I think they've had so much success with it that this, it seems to me, is is the right way. the success. But, you know, the, the way that's going to bring them success. Then some of those those unbelievable, well, literally unbelievable <laughs> wins, those chases uh, last summer. It was like, well, that kind of it felt like the right way to go because you know. Sort of chasing a, a significant target, easy to get bogged down and and, and be a bit sort of fearful, mm. and end up kind of falling well short. Whereas if you sort of go for it, you know, it, yeah, it was, it changed the game mm. almost literally. Um, but in this instance, you know, just maybe a, you know, a bit bit of flexibility in the thinking and saying like, actually, well, that's you know, there's, there was there was enough time in the you know they had enough time to to go and add a few more without being without having to feel like they've got to hit every single ball for four. Yeah, so just finding a, a, a little bit more of a balance. Yeah, maybe I don't necessarily disagree with that. Like on the declaration, I firstly I was a little bit surprised by the surprise. Like you know, there's a there was a clip from Test Match Special going around social media of Phil Tufnell just like absolutely you know jaw on floor. 
But I kind of thought, well, Stokes has done this. Yeah. <laughs> this is exactly, this is very much uh, in character with the way Stokes has been captaining in the last year. So I wasn't surprised by it. And I also think, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, with hindsight, if Jay Root had batted another half an hour in the game, England probably would have won. But didn't know that at the time. And I think if, if England had been 393 for six, I'd have said, yeah, that was pretty foolhardy. But eight down... Yes, they could have added another 50 runs more, but they also might have added two runs more. I, I, I didn't think it was a bad idea. And again, if, if Broad had nipped out David Warner that evening, everyone would have said that, that is a genius move. So I can totally see why they did it. And as I say, I, I think this is the right way to beat Australia. It's the right way for England to play against anybody. But do you think then that have they kind of... Are they believing their own hype a bit? Like, is Stokes starting to do these kind of things or root playing that? reverse ramp attempting the reverse ramp first ball of the day are they sort of drinking the baseball kool-aid a bit possibly i mean well that i think we'll only know at the end of the series really in terms of being able to judge that because i mean i you know there's been a lot of chat on around this week about the you know some of the comments that have been made after the match um from some of you know some of the england players you know with the now people are talking uh, talking about it as if it's like a cult aren't they now yeah which uh yeah i think we'll only know at the end of the series whether this whole thing mm. yeah has enough about it to, to to stand up to the toughest scrutiny which you know this is the biggest test of of, of the the stokes mccoy so far and you know if they come through it and they win the series playing like this then you know there'll be no stopping them you know if it does if we lose the second test and then I think there will be big question marks. Yeah. You know, people will turn on it pretty quickly. Yeah, the, the recrimination is short. I mean, that's... But that's where I think they just got to hold their nerve. And this yeah. is... Uh, and perhaps where there is a comparison with 2005 is that that's... You know, that after England lost the first test at Lords, there was huge pressure on them to change the team and stuff. And they held their nerve. And yeah. it paid off. So we'll just have to see. But as I say, I think if England... For me, it would be a bit like if the England white ball team going into the 2019 World Cup had been skittled out for 100 in the first game. And then they'd said, right, we need to change everything. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Let's recall Alistair Cook to the top of the order. You know, it's, No, this is the way we play. This is how we've had success. It's not going to work every time. But I mean, to say it didn't work in yeah, this game, I mean, they got incredibly works. close. Yeah. And they've had some bad luck as well. I mean, we recorded our preview before Jack Leach's injury. Yeah. That's a huge blow. Like Anderson and Robinson clearly aren't fully fit or, or you know, are not sort of fully match fit, sort of coming back into it and yeah they they made mistakes which is not bad luck but it's things that with all the you know no balls and things it's clearly not bad luck but there's things where yeah it could have gone gone differently i mean that said so i I think they i think this is the right approach and i think stokes mccullough need to hold hold their nerve but they're not infallible are they and i I think they have made they did make a couple of reasonably big errors coming into this i we spoke about this on the preview but i think it was a big mistake to drop folks and give bearstay the gloves and Fair to say he didn't have a great game with the gloves. Um, missed four chances, was mm. it? Five chances. Um, I'm sure they won't go back on that, but I do think that's a problem. And then I also think, it, I talk about Leach, I, was, I think it was a mistake to bring back Moeen. I don't know what you made of that. Obviously, he kind of injured his finger, didn't bowl much in the fourth innings. Yeah, had, having, had, having bowled an awful lot in the first innings, mm. off the back of having not bowled at all. For two years. For two years, so yeah... It, it, yeah, I can see why I, I can completely understand why they went to him, but it does kind of expose it exposes the sort of limited resources that England have got in that department, and the fact that you know if if, if Mo was the best option, 
then yeah, I mean, they've, they've brought in Ray and Ahmed, haven't they, for the mm. um, into the squad for the next test, which feels like a not a gamble, but you know that it feels. I can see why they didn't want to do that straight away because there's clearly a risk attached to that, both in terms of the game itself and also potentially what it could do to Rayhan Ahmed's future career. And you know, we saw what happened to Simon Kerrigan in, in 2013. They, they're they're right to be a little bit nervous about that, but I, this is a different environment that he's coming into, and to a certain extent, I think you've just got to you've got to have some faith. I mean, what does it say to county spinners yeah. that they're bringing back Moeen? But the other point is that, and I know not everyone agrees with me on this, and you may not, but I don't think Moeen was ever that good. So it felt to me like a very strange decision to bring him back. It, the second time I mentioned him in about a minute and a half, but it would make more sense to me if like Ben Duckett had gone down injured and they'd put in an SOS to Alistair Cook or you know someone like that who's like super successful test cricketer. But Moeen to me was always you know he's never been that great in test cricket so to say he's not played for two years we've got to get Moeen back just felt to me a bit strange yeah and, it, and you know he didn't bowl you know he bowled reasonably well mm. um but again that was a decision that that didn't pay off because yeah he, he simply you know physically wasn't up to it in the end so it was like that, that was a, yeah that was a that that will go down as a bad call but um yeah whether he got, there's enough time and between the first two tests to get to heal his feet, I can't see how if that's you know if he wasn't able to bowl in the second innings, I can't see how that's going to heal in time no. to bowl in the second test. I mean, if if that if they sort of gamble on him being that 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 would feel like a a huge error. Yeah. <laughs> well, like yeah, that would be pretty reckless. I think if they if they play him again in this one, and I would certainly say they deserve criticism for that. Um, yeah, but we talk about sort of fine margins. It was such a close game. And to say that England got within two wickets of winning when Joe Root was doing the bulk of the of their spin bowling on a turning wicket, yeah. you know, it, it's that's partly bad luck and partly their own mistakes. But you feel like that can... <laughs> there's, some, there's room there for England to improve and that they will improve or should improve. I mean, that's it. You still probably take the situation that England were in, needing two wickets for, for, for you know what was it 60 odd yeah you'd, you'd probably take that as a match situation and back yourself to win it from there so yeah if I have a concern about England going into uh, the next test and off the back of this game then it would be the bowling attacks obviously we've spoken about mowing but like it, it, it's been so kind of hugely impressive over the last year we talked about this on the preview the batting gets all the headlines but actually the basball bowling has been just as important had take it this, so this um second in, you know Australia's second innings at Edgbaston was the first time since Stokes took over that England have failed to take 10 wickets in the innings which is a remarkable run maybe at times looked a little bit flat here not just the spinner but the the seam attack as well obviously Stokes bowled a bit and got big wicket of Steve Smith but doesn't is definitely not fully fit is he Robinson and Anderson maybe not totally fully fit either we'll talk about Robinson in a sec but he was a little bit down on pace I thought even though he bowled quite well Anderson, I don't know if he's still injured, but I mean, he just said it was because of the pitch, but like he didn't bowl with the new ball at the end of the game, which I, it's hard to imagine he wouldn't have done if he hadn't been fit and is obviously coming back into the game off the off the back of an injury. So Broad was very good, wasn't he? But other than that, you know, maybe a, a few questions about the England bowling attack. No, you're right, but a bit of a concern. And when you throw in the Moeen situation as well, it was like across the board, there were some fairly limited options where it felt like people, you know, it felt like the bowlers were... 
were kind of just about getting through it rather than being mm. yeah being there to to win the game so again like on the one hand you can say well to take therefore to take 18 australian wickets in the game is a great effort and suggests that if they can get more fit and more into a rhythm then that's you know promising for england but on the other hand yeah that's not guaranteed that that will happen i'd like to get mark wood into that team but as we talked about in the preview, the guy I would have left out for him if I if I was going to leave anyone out was Stuart Broad. So for all that he didn't bowl that well, it would be a big call to leave at Anderson. I mean, what about Ollie Robinson? I mean, what what well, A, what did you make of his performance and B, the kind of controversy surrounding him in this game? Yeah, I thought it was a complete non-story. I'm sure everyone will have seen this, but he obviously yeah. gave a, a bit of a send-off to Usman Khawaja, didn't he, when he got him out in the first innings? And some Australian fans and pundits have not reacted well to that. Yeah, no, I thought it was a complete non-story, really. Uh, you know, some people were suggesting, well, the fact that Kawaja had made, what, 140-odd, um, that it was like, it was sort of embarrassing of Robinson to to give him a send-off. He's like, he'd lost the battle. But I kind of feel like, you know, from my own experience of playing high-level sport, um, <laughs> it's like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, Gern's evening league did four. Sometimes it, it, yeah, exactly. But I don't know there's all various reasons why you might be a bit more pumped at the moment and actually like getting rid of someone who's been a, been a thorn in your side for a few hours would equally be as satisfying. Like sort of makes more sense to give someone send, to give them a bit of a send off then rather than like getting them out cheaply in a way. It's like you sort of pity them slightly mm. if you get them out cheaply. Whereas, <laughs> you know, if they've scored a few runs, you would be like, oh, you know, like, yeah. oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't think it was massively overstepping the mark. I mean, it, it's probably a little bit punchy, but yeah, a bit, a bit, I mean, you know, there's a lot made of like, I think did Robinson say, oh, you know, like Ponting used to do it and, mm. you know, obviously going back a few years, but I, I, yeah, I think it's possibly a bit rich from the Australians to, to take too much umbrage with that. Well, I'd agree with that. I mean, it, it might sound like whataboutery to say, oh, well, what about when they did it? But actually, you know, it does smack of hypocrisy, I have to say, for you know, particularly the the specific Australians who seem to be taking issue with it, like Matthew Hayden. It's quite interesting, though, because I wonder if it, it's kind of revealing for both sets of fans what it's like to be the other one mm. <laughs> or what it was, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Because, like, yeah, it used to really wind me up when those Australia, that Australian team, those Australian players used to do stuff like that. And we've talked about this before, but, you know, I absolutely loathed Ricky Ponting and Glenn McGrath and people like that when when they were beating us. Now I'm like, legend. Yeah. He's a legend. He's a legend. <laughs> he's a legend. But, but at the time, they wound me right up. Um, and Australian fans probably couldn't really understand that. Whereas now, a lot of Australians are really agitated about this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's all just, it's all very silly, isn't yeah. it? It's just, so, yeah, I, I do sort of see both sides of it. But it it does feel a bit rich for Ponting I mean what but not just that Ponting kind of uh criticized it but he said I wrote it down he said uh oh no wonder he bowled like he did if if that's what he's focusing on but actually he bowled really I mean as we say he's maybe a little, a little bit down on pace but in terms of his results in the game yeah he's had a great he, he's had a great start to his career took, well it's oh, in, career, the, game, in, sorry, yeah. in the game he took five wickets for 90 odd so he had the best average and best economy rate of any bowler in the match. Um, and yeah, then you look at his career overall. Matthew Hayden was saying, oh, he's like a pop gun. you know. Yeah. But he averages 21 in test cricket. <laughs> he's been absolutely sensational. Yeah. So yeah, that I, I think doesn't, um, doesn't kind of put them in a great 
position to be yeah it probably it, it kind of in a great light arguably it sort of highlights the fact that they're they're feeling a bit vulnerable and mm. they're you know they're not the main show in town um yeah yeah, yeah. and that they're you know it's kind of like you know that in- england it, it, are the exciting it, it, yeah team exactly here, england yeah. are like the, the buccaneering like you know and obviously you know a lot has been made about the kind of culture change in australian cricket and the kind of you know the the shift from that era to the now the sort of the more progressive kind of Pat Cummins led so which is you know which is great in a way but you know you, you wonder whether someone like Matthew Hayden just feels a bit left behind mm-hmm. way, and, and actually is just a bit kind of yeah is sort of reacting um or is just a bit miffed about the whole thing yeah and, I, and I'm sure which, Australia right or wrong I'm sure some Australians are whether or not they'd admit it envious of of the basball stuff and the way England are playing and the way England are kind of changing the game but then they also probably feel they probably felt immensely satisfied to win that game, yeah. and sort of feel that they've uh, triumphed over Basball. But there is a long way to go in the series. So yeah, I, I did think the Robinson stuff was overblown as much as I could. I could imagine getting very wound up by that sort of behaviour <laughs> if I was on the opposing team. Um, I do think this it happens a lot in cricket, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure it's as big a deal as was made out. All that said, I'm also not convinced that Robinson getting himself a column for Wisden is a great idea <laughs> in the middle of the series. And I can't remember what he said, but it was something. And Zach Crawley as well has come out and said, I'm pretty sure we're going to win by 150 runs. Yeah. And to a certain extent, I think like, oh, this is all part of the theatre and it just makes for uh, what a brilliantly entertaining series with all that kind of off-field stuff going on as well. But yeah, if it, as you say, if England lose this next game... I mean, already, already, even though it's like, what an exciting series we have in prospect, it feels like quite a tall order because England have got to win three out of four tests, assuming there are no draws, which is maybe unlikely. If England lose the next game, it pretty much seems like game over, doesn't it, already? So they're kind of putting a target on their backs there, aren't they? Um, Because, yeah, they sort of need to win the series to avoid looking like idiots with that sort of comment. Yeah. Quick word on Australia. Obviously a terrific victory for them. Uh, remarkably, Tony, it's the first time that they've successfully chased more than 250 in 12 years. It's also the first time that they've won a close ashes test for ages, I think. I can't remember the last time they did that. Pretty sensational from Pat Cummins. He obviously bowled very well and then forget how good a bat he is at the end too. Um, and then Usman Khawaja, 150 in the second innings as well. Indisputably, I guess, one of the kind of top top batsman in the world at this point yeah one interesting aspect of Australia's game is that Cameron Green didn't bowl much did he and he bowled a couple of overs I think in England second inning so talk about Anderson and Moeen and maybe Robinson being injured but possible injury there I mean it seems like it must have been an injury to explain that um but that, and that could be fairly important because I you know coming into the series I did think Green's bowling was going to be you know one of the kind of key elements um and if he isn't able to bowl all that much then that you know, that's a big uh, boost for England. So um, we'll see. I, w- I wonder if Australia might change up the bowling attack at all, whether Mitchell Stark will come back in. Um, Hazelwood bowled okay. Scott Boland, I don't know, what did you think? Yeah, he, he did all right. He did okay. Bit of extra pace from Stark and kind of left arm as well. That might be something they look to do. So, yeah, interesting stuff. I mean, what do you, looking ahead towards them, what, do you, what are you expecting to see? <sighs> I don't know, really. Um what am I expecting? Yeah, I mean, I, th- well, I, th- I think expecting another another very very close game. 
I think it's almost impossible to call which way it'll go. You know, Australia will be buoyant, won't they, after that, mm. uh, that victory. Um, yeah, England won't change tack. So I think, I think we, as we said at the start, very, two very evenly matched sides, really, in terms of both ability and also the kind of momentum, if you, if you take it all into account. Um, so, yeah, I, don't, I could go either way. So, be yeah, we'll be glued to it. Exciting prospect. Um, one last thing to talk about on this test uh, is the commentary. <laughs> Just wondered what you made of, of all that. It's Because it's quite a different lineup on Sky these days, isn't it? I guess last... I, I think... I can't actually remember if this is quite correct, but I feel like the last... The 2019 series... Uh, the lineup must have been like Gower, Botham, Lloyd, Holding. None of them are there anymore. Obviously, Nasser and Athton are still there, who for me are probably the two best pundits in the world. But this time they've got uh, Owen Morgan. Oh, I think so. he's good. He's, yeah. he's pretty good. Um, <laughs> they've also got Kevin Peterson. <laughs> so I've got a question for you here, Tane. Is Kevin Peterson the worst commentator in sport? Uh, do you know what? He doesn't bother me. People are constantly moaning about him on Twitter, but I don't know. He doesn't bother me quite as much as I think he bothers you. <laughs> yeah. But he's not. Yeah, he's not in the the Hussein Atherton category for sure. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think he's that bad. But yeah, you obviously disagree. Well, yeah, I'd say borderline ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like it was like a race against time for me. Like, can Australia string out this run chase so that Peterson isn't on the mic? At the very end. Now, to be fair, I actually think he's got a lot of good insight. Um, and I, I like listening to him. That, the sort of uh, masterclass stuff yeah. they do, is brilliant. he's brilliant at that. And I like listening to him as a pundit. But on air, like on, on you know, when commentating over the live action, just unbearable to me. Talks too much about the IPL <laughs> for a start. Was arguing that the reason Root was batting well in the first innings was because he'd spent so much time at the IPL where, where he didn't bat asterisk he didn't bat <laughs> um, so yeah not great in my book yeah well I think he's there mate I think he's he's probably listening to this so just a single well, tear come on, come on for rolling a down his cheek well I'm behind him <laughs> I'm with you KP alright well I think that will just about do it um, for the World Cricket Show this time uh, we're going to pop back after the Lord's test, I guess is the plan. Or are we? Are you, when are you, you're going. Yeah, I'm going, yeah, I'm there for the Friday. So I'll bring you some, some insights. Some Ashes what Daily. I can remember. Everyone go out and follow at Ashes Daily. Might be the only Ashes Daily <laughs> of the series. Um, <coughs> yeah, will we be back? I don't know. We've got, I've got a few bits coming right up in my grill piece mm. at work, which, but we'll, we'll do our best. The Island Games. Yeah. It's like, would you describe it as the Olympics for islands? It's like the Island Olympics, yeah. Um, and it's in Guernsey this year. Yeah. And you're covering it. Yeah. You're not competing. Not, it kind of not made that, as yet. It sort of made that sound like you were competing. Yeah, true. Archery, you were dreaming of one day, um, one time, weren't you? At one point, that hasn't really come to fruition. No. Um, but yeah, I think we'll try and get back, won't we? We'll get back on the mic. I was hoping to be a triathlon domestique at one time <laughs> in my life as well. Thing, didn't, quite, didn't quite happen. Um I'm sure we can squeeze one in next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even if it's just, even if even it's a just quick one. 20 minutes. Um, but until then, get involved in the World Creator Show on the internet. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, etc. At Cricket Show, at Ashes Daily. All of the above. Um, there's probably some other cricket going on around the world as well, isn't there, which we should talk about at some point. The Women's Ashes 
is underway right now. We could maybe talk about that yeah. next time as well when we know the result. World Cup qualifiers happening yeah. in Zimbabwe. Uh, again, we can maybe talk about that next time on this this pod that may or may not happen <laughs> um, between the next this two pod that we're trying to squeeze in. Yeah. Uh, and T20 Blast, did you see... Uh, did you see any of Middlesex's run chase the other day? I saw the scorecard, yeah. Second highest run chase in T20 yeah, history. Yeah, ludicrous. Which I don't, I mean, on the face of it, is something that I wouldn't necessarily enjoy because <laughs> it's like too much. And I've talked about that many times before. But, you know, when it's, there, there was something about that, something about going after, yeah, when it, when a run chase of that nature um, that was pretty exciting. So, yeah, uh, that was pretty remarkable. Surrey kind of, blew it a bit because at one point it looked like they were going to get the world record score I think they brought up the 200 in the 14th over madness right? they only scored a, I think they went under 10 and over in the last 5 bottled yeah, it still posted 260 <laughs> which is fairly remarkable but um, anyway all cool. this and more next time you need to get away don't yeah. you I'll do a runner <laughs> you've got to give me a lift I'm afraid so. yeah um, so let's leave that there and we'll talk to you all next time cheers Dane cheers bye bye for now I can smell your fear. Ba da da ba 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 da da ba ba.